0: Ready, ready? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, it smells so potent. Every business starts somewhere before it's a well-oiled machine. Sometimes it's at your kitchen counter in between your part-time jobs. The whole concept of growing your business means it was small at some point. I don't think I have ever been in a factory before. Ever. So, how do you take your business from a pipe dream that you've been trying to get off the ground to a fully functioning factory that supports 55 employees? We decided to take our questions to the headquarters of PF Candle Co., which is a candle company founded in 2008 by Kristen Pumphrey, who spent years of hard work fighting to not only keep her company alive, but see it succeed. I'm Darby Masters, and welcome to I Make a Living. season, we've seen that it takes a lot to start a business from the ground up. Not everyone is cut out to be a small business owner. It takes a lot of diligence and hard work to get any business off the ground. It's not for the faint of heart. There are a lot of ups, downs, failures, and successes. I think that's why it's so important to hear what the journey has been like for others, especially for those who are a little further along on their journey than we are. That's the reason for today's episode. The journey for any entrepreneur can be a complicated one, but we learn from the growing pains that we encounter, and hopefully, They make us better business owners. All right. I'm Kristen Pumphrey. I'm the founder
1: and co-owner of PF Candle Co.
0: Kristen is a very down-to-earth individual who is open about the ups and downs of her journey as a business owner. We had the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation about what that journey looked like, how she survived it, and how she continues to handle the challenges thrown her way. PF is
1: kind of, if I'm using glossy PR terms, it's a global fragrance operation. So we're a manufacturing facility. We make all of our products here in house in LA and we sell to, I think our current independent boutique account is roughly 2,500 active accounts. And then we also sell to major partners around the world. So we're carried in tons of countries, tons of stores. We work with independent boutiques. We have our own flagship. We have a lot of revenue streams and we have 55 employees. So my job is kind of a creative director role. I do all the product development. I oversee the marketing. I basically oversee getting that product to the customer and making sure that the quality is really good. That's Tom's office. So Tom's obviously my...
0: Business partner. Mm-hmm. And husband. Okay. And cousin, you said? And husband. <laughs> 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 yeah, almost am positive because we went on a date night last night. <laughs> so, yeah. Tom and Kristen are business partners. And they're married. And as you can tell, this audio does sound a bit different. That's because we didn't just have a sit-down conversation with Kristen. She also gave us a tour of the factory. And obviously, I brought my handheld recorder with me.
1: So Tom oversees the sales and operational side of things. So
0: he's he calls himself a living, breathing p Kristen was the founder of PF Candle Co., and it wasn't until a few years later that Tom came on board to help run it. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here, so let's go back to the beginning of her story.
1: So in 2008, I had just graduated college, and I was working at a publishing company. The publishing company mainly did titles that were craft, so knitting and crochet and just kind of handcrafts. This was right around when Etsy was really taking off. So I loved that movement. I had kind of decided to go into publishing after I became obsessed with just the general genre in college and I didn't want to be an actor, which I had spent many years studying. So, you know, career change. And then abruptly lost my job in 2008 because of the recession. I did not know at the time that's what was happening because I was very young and it didn't really occur to me what that meant. So the magazine folded, I lost my job, and I remember sitting across from the VP and of the company, she said, what, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I think I'm just going to go start a small business. So this side is our production side. Okay. So we have... Right here in front, that's our liquids department, and they do diffusers, incense, and room sprays. Okay. Over there, we're jading is like our development area. So right now, our warehouse is actually kind of a mess because we're getting a lot of high pallet racking installed this weekend. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all of these pallets will be, like, stacked high. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we're trying to do with our expansion this year is to increase the warehouse capacity. Here, okay, because we moved in last May and we're already like, we need more space. Okay, wow, it was crazy. So, we didn't anticipate that
0: back in 2008. Kristen had no idea that her dream of running a quote unquote small business would turn into what it is today. I mean, to be fair, it does have the personal touch of a small business, but from the look of it on our tour, it's a far cry from small.
1: So, I moved to Austin and my goal was to start a business. The passion or kind of my purpose has always been, I just want to be a small business owner. It was, you know, finding the vessel or the vehicle to get me to that goal. That's when I sort of focused back on pomfrites. So basically what that looked like was me sitting in a room by myself. My main thing I was known for was these hollow book safes. So I would take vintage books and I would carve the inside out and then glue all the pages together. And it was this really awesome secret book save. So I got kind of some um, notoriety for them on Etsy. But Honestly, I wasn't charging enough, and they were each one of a kind. I was charging $20, $40 for them. Anyway, so it was just me by myself. I think that reflecting back, I wanted to work for myself. I was obsessed with this idea, but I felt kind of isolated. And I would, Tom, get home from work, and I'd pounce on him. I what, did you, what happened? Tell me everything. I didn't have a ton of social outlets. So when we relocated from Austin to Long Beach... Um, That became kind of even more so because we did have our friend circle in Austin.
0: As much as she wanted to work for herself, one of the things Kristen talked about most was how isolated she felt. She had friend circles in Austin, which helped, but when they moved to Long Beach, the isolation was pretty difficult for her. And on top of that, she couldn't get a part-time job. I want to say it was 2011. It was a difficult time to get a job in California. So I just
1: said, okay, I'm going to make... This work and just try and sell a lot of candles. I think that being in California really allowed our business to take off because we not only had Los Angeles, which is such a big market, but we had San Francisco too. That's when things started to take off, but there was definitely a point in 2012 where I felt like giving up. Um, I... It just couldn't make ends meet aside from the holidays, which the holidays I'd be flush. I'd, yes, they were doing so good. But the rest of the year I was living, you know, some people live paycheck to paycheck. I was living order to order. So if a boutique placed an order for $200, I was good if someone placed an order on Etsy for 40 bucks, okay, that's some groceries. I would walk to the grocery store and buy groceries kind of every night or every other night. I didn't really have enough funds to buy them weekly. That's the level we were at. We were just broke. you know. And I'd had some savings when I moved to Austin, but as you can imagine, after another move, those were dwindling quite a bit. So it was a, it was a real make or break point. Things were just not
0: coming together. Living your life counting every dollar, every penny to make it work, that's where Kristen was. And it sounded less than fun. She came to a point where she had to make a decision. And I told Tom... I think I'm going to give up on
1: this dream and do what I thought was the worst thing in the world at the time and get a nine to five, which I completely work a nine to five now and I love it. So <laughs> whatever. Tom's an incredibly practical person and he also doesn't always sugarcoat it for me. So he said, yeah, you should stop doing this thing. But you know, the candles are really cool. People like them. Why don't you just make those on the weekend? Like don't give up on it entirely. And I, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And right at that point, I don't know, I got this big order from Terrain. It was only $3,000, 2500 But to me at the time, it was so much money. I was just like, oh, my God, this rent is two months of rent, or however much at the time. I bought a big melter that allowed me to increase my production scale. And from there, it started to snowball where... Okay, I got the terrain order. Then I got boutique orders. Then I got picked up by West Elm by doing it pop up with Etsy at West Elm. Oh wow! And that's when it really started to snowball. So just so you know, if you have slick bottom shoes, just be careful stepping onto the production floor here because it's pretty waxy. Okay. I when I wear my slick bottoms every day, I'm like, whoa. Okay. Okay. So we're pouring Terra right now. Um, This this. Uh, style was released last year and the two new scents we released this year have actually been really really popular so it's been keeping us busy keeping up with that um, over here we have two those are 500 pound melters and we're about to get two 2,000 pound melters okay. so we produce on average right now 4,500 candles a day um, we're looking to increase that to about 6,000 okay. in order to keep up with
0: demand yeah. She was equipped to fulfill West Elm's order of 4,000 candles in 2013 because of the melter she invested in after her first large order from Terrain. It was still a lot of work because she was making 100 candles a day, but they were relentless. They as in both Kristen and Tom, because this was the order that brought Tom into the business. And now, just a few years later, PF Candle Co. is producing 4,500 candles a day with hopes to increase that to 6,000 with the two new melters they just invested in. Talk about scaling. When I got the order from Westell, my
1: first thought was, How do I even ship this? How do I get this out on a pallet? That's the level I was at that I didn't even know what to do. So Tom was able to come and say, okay, I'm going to kind of scale the production. I'm going to take us from making 100 candles to 360. So he increased production by uh, 200% (laughs) is my math right there. Yes. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Anyways, so, (laughs) and actually we've got that West Elm order because of Instagram. The VP of merchandising for West Elm was looking at the event that we did at the West Elm in LA and the organizer had posted us on their feed. So he goes to our feed and this is back in the day of the lo-fi filters and frames and all that stuff. This was not the Instagram of today where you have influencers and hashtag, well, yeah, hashtags. Anyways, but he left a comment on our post that said, how would you like to be carried at West Elm stores? So I look him up. He's legit. It was a total pinch me. And I guess I was at the forefront of Instagram. So I kind of innately was able to grow our brand using that being really savvy with what that emerging
0: social media platform was. So the marketing plan back then was just Kristen, her phone, and a bit of creativity. And now they've expanded.
1: Guys, this is the crew from Fresh Books. <laughs>
0: So this is our um, customer service, sales, sales, marketing teams. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, everybody.
1: <laughs> um, this is my office. Wow, that's a,
0: a big marketing team. <laughs> just just yeah. saying, that's crazy.
1: So it was completely organic growth, and we didn't start paying for ads, I want to say, until twenty, maybe 2015, probably 2016. So that's when we actually started putting money into our marketing and actually having a marketing team versus just me taking some cute photos and putting them on Instagram. And how many people are on your marketing team right now? We have three people on our market. Oh, four people on our marketing team.
0: Yeah. Okay. How does marketing your business change when you begin growing? PF Candle Co. is eco-friendly, and they believe they have a corporate responsibility when it comes to climate change. So how do you communicate a message like that, which they truly believe in, without making it a huge marketing scheme?
1: Obviously, transparency is a hot buzzword. That's something that a lot of people are using in marketing right now. How that looks for me is that we're just trying to present things the way that they are. I'm not trying to do things because it's trendy. Using soy wax, great eco-friendly. That is absolutely why I do it. But I'm not trying to do it for a marketing trend. I'm trying to do it because it's the right thing to do so that we can have a corporate responsibility for climate change. You can't, this is an aside, but it's hard to have that responsibility at an individual level. If you're a corporation, you have the ability to make a bigger impact. That's what's exciting to me now our corporation growing, our company growing allows us to actually have an impact in the community. We employ 55 people. That's great. We give back to charities every year. We make an impact in different people's lives. And that's something that I didn't think I'd have the opportunity to do. Everyone's obsessed with being authentic, authentic. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Because when you're curating your image of what your authentic image is, oh, it's frustrating. It's just not real. So... I like things to be a little messy, you know, and that's been a unique challenge of growing the business from one person. When it was just me, it was easy to just be me. I'm incredibly grateful to our customers. That is a genuine thing that I feel because I remember it was not long ago that those customers were the difference of what I ate. I am blown away by what our customers spend with us, that they like our products, that they come back for more. I'm like, what a freaking gift, you know? But how do you kind of scale that message? Because it's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing to relay that to my marketing team. And then they get their language out there. We have a person who does all of our kind of captions and kind of controls the brand messaging. And I work with her a lot. I get really specific on language because it's easy to get into this slick marketing language of here's a product, here's a product. But it's not just about it being a product. It is about... You're buying a product that's from an ethical company that supports the lives of these people that work here, and hopefully it's going to improve your life through scent. And how do we connect to that emotionally? So we just work at it.
0: Kristen told us that one of their legendary marketing emails that they still talk about to this day happened a few years back. It had to do with their incense sticks. They used to sell 15 in a pack for $6. That seemed to be reasonable because they based the price on the items themselves, but to make them was incredibly labor-intensive, and that wasn't taken into account when they were originally priced. They ran the numbers again and realized the prices needed to be raised in order to make a profit. So basically, they sent an email to all of their customers explaining the whole situation, and it ended up being really well-received. It was honest, and their customers appreciated that. From what I can tell, PF Kindleco genuinely cares about the environment, their employees, and their customers. Honesty is one of their core values. That's why Paco and I wanted to interview Kristen in the first place. There's just a genuine authenticity to Kristen, and we knew that she'd be open and honest about the ups and downs of her journey.
1: So challenge-wise, it took a while for me to feel my stride as a leader. I think that really being able to take a step back and look at what I had built and realize that I actually knew the answers. I actually knew what I was doing. I felt for a long time that people didn't believe I did. So that started with me not believing in myself. Challenge-wise, scaling has been really hard. So we are completely self-funded and we basically reinvest the profits and we have done this from that first West Elm order. We reinvest the profits into the business. And that's how we do things like open a flagship and uh, renovate a warehouse for us to move into. But there's definitely difficulties, especially when it comes to hiring, because we want to attract great talent. But when I talk about our pay scale, in 2014, we hired people at 12.50 an hour the office, maybe they made 14 an hour. Now we're hiring our production floor starting at 15 or 16 an hour. And the office is 17, 20 an hour, upwards of high salaries. So that has been completely our own growth. But during the beginning stages, we didn't have the money to attract people with actual experience from doing the job. So we tried to attract really smart people, people that could grow, people that we saw could evolve in a row. But it created challenges for people. So I've watched people kind of the role has evolved from what their skill level is or even what they want to do. And they'll just say, I don't want to be running this anymore. And I'm like, okay. So that's been a difficulty. Honestly, that's something that I deal with every day still is that you wonder as a business owner that's scaling it yourself and I don't have an MBA, I wonder when will I reach my skill level and what do I do when that happens? Okay, so obviously it smells really good out here. It smells amazing. Um, that's where our production supervisor sits in that office. Okay. Development area. So we just do like our small batch burn testing okay. and um, pouring new scents. Like we okay. have this really crazy fragrance cabinet right here. Like uh-huh. a, this is Jade's perfumer cabinet. So yes. inside okay. it's all just different perfumes, Uh and she can actually blend things in house, send them off to be duped, and then all that kind of fun
0: stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and everything
1: is, Jade and I are both, like, we sought training out ourselves, we're not, it's not like a college training or anything like that. We just have gotten Mm -hmm. kind of perfumery training.
0: It's amazing to walk into a massive candle factory and know that all the products that I see, the processes in place, the business being run, and the candles being made, all of it was self-taught. Their philosophy to hire on smart individuals eager to learn starts with Kristen. Like she mentioned, Kristen doesn't have an MBA. Everything that she knows has been self-taught, and her fear of finally reaching the top of her skill level is valid but she's just like her employees, smart and eager to learn. With an attitude like that, no wonder she's as successful as she is. And because of her determination, I'm not sure she'll ever reach a point where she's unable to move forward. I'm pretty confident that she'll figure it out or find someone who can.
1: Failure motivates me.
0: See what I mean?
1: Having someone not believe in you motivates me. It's the best gift someone can give you. Honestly, when someone says, I don't think you can do that, I go watch me. You know, <laughs> watch me do it. Okay, you don't think? Great. Okay. That's a pouring machine. We have two of these now. That one is one's called Big Poppy. They named it after Poppy. My daughter.
0: <laughs> um Being in the factory and seeing how everyone interacted with one another, it felt very personal. And you could tell that everyone really cared for one another.
1: I think sometimes when people describe their company as a family, it's uh, dysfunctional, and that's not what What I want. want. I don't need everybody to be best friends with each other, but I want everybody to come in and be as happy as they can be coming and doing a job, you know? And honestly, doing some of the manual labor jobs that we have are... Not very rewarding. It's like counting 15 incense sticks. That's a difficult job because it's just boring, you know? Mm. But I want to try and provide them with an environment that's a little weird. And like Tom used to say that we... Are the type of company where if you were a little bit of a misfit at another company, you can fit in here. And people always joke, "Oh, do you have to have tattoos to work here?" <laughs> but as we moved too, I see that that's expanding where it's not just kind of alternative people, but you know, people that have worked in factories and come here and appreciate the differences that we have in our factory, where we actually care about our staff. And I spend a lot of the time thinking about how to make their life better.
0: The goal is always to achieve financial stability, not only for her and Tom, but also for her employees. But that's not the only way that she gauges success. Beyond financial
1: stability for me and my staff, it's also opportunities for them and helping them on their journey and their career. I am not naive to think that people are going to stay here forever it would be really cool if I had some lifers like I get some people at 20 years (laughs) I have my first person coming up on five years this year and that's really exciting other than Tom I guess Tom passed five years last year (laughs) but that's kind of the cool thing is being able to provide an opportunity for someone when they can really do a lot of different things here and get their hands dirty and figure things out and that's I don't know that's what Successes to me, and also honestly, working with the small businesses is the most rewarding part. So we work with the big businesses, and they play a really important role in our business, which is funding. But the small businesses, I see how much money we sell to them, so I know that they make a decent chunk off our products. And I've had stores tell me before, like, "Thank you," because. I was able to sell a lot of your product. And that's been really rewarding is helping them grow as well. It's a symbiotic relationship. So they're helping us grow. We're helping them grow. And that's totally the core of who we are, you know?
0: P.F. Candle Co. is successful. The company just continues to gain traction. And it's easy to see why. Thank you for the tour. That was an incredible tour. (laughs) I came not knowing how big your company is. I had no idea. And I've never been in a factory before. So it was, needless to say, pretty impressive. Thank you. Yes. I'm... I'm really proud of it, and that's like, I don't get a lot of
1: time to sit back and reflect on what I've done. Honestly, I just, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. We got to keep going, you know, and now it's not my journey anymore. It's everyone who works here's journey. We're all building it together. It is not just Tom and I driving it anymore, so that's been the real big change. When I look at the production floor and I see what they're doing, I'm so proud of the team because they'll have their own personality there. They'll have their own organization style that they can do the job better than I ever did it now. So that's awesome.
0: The journey of every business owner is different, but there are some pretty consistent struggles that most people deal with. The growing pains of building your business are real. Determination is one of the main themes that I recognized in Kristen's story. She sacrificed a lot to get the company off the ground. Time, money, comfort. But to her, the business was worth it, and it's paid off so far. Being your own boss takes determination and grit. Like I mentioned before, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Kristen is a great example of who will make it in this competitive world of entrepreneurship, someone who is smart and eager to learn. If you're willing to learn, sacrifice, and put in the hard work, then that might be you too. Knowing the road is going to be rough can be discouraging, but try taking a page from Kristen's book. Let the challenge be what fuels your determination to keep moving forward.
2: Hi there, my name is Torin Reguera and I'm one of the co-founders of Kegshoe, a company that builds software specifically for breweries to help them track their kegs. My co-founder Adrian Polischko and myself started Kegshoe about three years ago in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada while finishing our undergrad degrees at the University of Ottawa. We discovered that there was a massive gap in the beer industry, where there was a severe lack of intuitive quality industry-specific software. Surprisingly, one of the biggest and most expensive problems faced by breweries was managing their kegs. Breweries lose an average of 2 to 5% of their keg fleet every year and often rely on outdated methods like spreadsheets and whiteboards to manage complex logistical operations. And these inefficiencies can end up costing them tens of thousands of dollars every year. As young, aspiring entrepreneurs, we decided we could fix this. We collaborated with local craft breweries and built web and mobile applications to help breweries manage their kegs. And three years down the road, we now have hundreds of breweries around the world using our software to manage their keg fleets on a day-to-day basis. Our entrepreneurial journey has certainly been filled with countless ups and downs, and it's definitely not always been easy. That said, it's led us both down a path that I don't think we ever expected and created some of the most amazing opportunities for us. We now have a full remote team of people based across Canada, helping us continue to grow quickly and expand our reach into the world of kegs and beer. We're stoked that every day we get to work in the craft beer industry and help small businesses all over the world help make their businesses better. If you're a brewery interested in keg tracking or want to reach out to us in any way, you can check out our website at kegshoe.ca or give us a call at 1-855-815-5534. Cheers.
0: If you'd like to be featured on Center Stage, there's a link on our website where you can record an introduction. Just go to freshbooks.com podcast. I Make a Living was brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams. To learn more and get an exclusive offer, go to freshbooks.com podcast. If you want to attend an event, go to freshbooks.com events. A big thanks to Kristen Pumphrey for spending a full day with us, showing us around the factory, sharing her story, and gifting us with a ton of candles, which I'm currently burning in my home right now. If you'd like more information about her and PF Candle Co., head on over to our show notes. This podcast was made possible because of audio engineering and music composition by James Morris, co-production and direction by Paco Arzmendi, and I'm Darby Masters. Thanks for listening to I Make a Living.